You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm Sean. I'm one of the elders, one of the preachers here. We're going to be together in God's Word today. It's going to be awesome. I also want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Uh, Father's Day is one of those kind of days that can have sort of varied emotions for people. If you had a good father, you probably, you like Father's Day. And if you had a bad father, it might be more challenging for you. Um, For me, that's a little bit more how Father's Day always was for me um, growing up. But one of the things I'm grateful for is that God is gracious to us. And he has brought a couple of men in particular into my life that have blessed me and been like a father to me. One is my Uncle Ralph, and the other is a guy you know, Joby Busher. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful for both of these men. So happy Father's Day to you. I also want to say this in a world that's working hard to destroy the family. um, Guys, the world needs you. And whether you are a father or not a father, uh, the world needs you. Because there's kids that are growing up like me without a good father around them. And you could be that to them. They need a good, strong, godly man in their life. So look for people around you to be that for them because they need it. All right, I almost started bawling already. Somebody put me tissues here, which is great. We're going to get through it, I hope. So um, anyway, we're in, we're in the book of James. And uh, I, love, I love the book of James. Um, it's been great going through it. One sister in Christ uh, emailed us this week and just shared how much this book has meant to her and some of the things that the Lord is teaching her. And just, um, man, I just so appreciated that. And I hope that it's been true for you, too, that it's been wonderful But before we get into the book today, um, I want to talk about the NBA Finals. Any NBA fans here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. And when you're watching, yes, when you're, amen, sister. (laughs) When you're watching the the best athletes in the world play, it's so interesting to watch um, how they play and and how they get things done. Two guys that were really interesting for me to watch um, this this finals were um, Al Horford and Draymond Green. Uh, both of these guys are incredible athletes. They, f- they play with incredible grit uh, and toughness, talent, stamina, um, and fight. Uh, but the difference between the two uh, seems to me that um, in Al Horford, you have a man who is a man of deep faith. When he's doing interviews, post-game interviews, he frequently wants to give glory to God, and he plays with excellence and with grace. Uh, Draymond Green, on the other hand, is a jerk. <laughs> okay. Let me say that with a a more modified way. He acts like a jerk. He trash talks all the time. He's obnoxious. He plays dirty. He's annoying to watch. I was worried there would be some Golden State Warrior fans in here that might be like, no, you're crazy. He's awesome because he's he's, he's the guy. Um, But that's just how he looks. And so I want to be careful to say this. I don't know what these guys are like in real life. I have no idea. All I'm going off of is what what I see uh, when they're on TV. And this is what it looks like to me. That's, That's how they come across to me. Um, But what I see is the main difference between these two guys is how they play and how they fight and what they're fighting for. And that's what we're going to look at today in the the book of James is what are you fighting for? Jay last week uh, talked about these two different kinds of wisdom. One was wisdom and one was really folly and how that could lead to two really different kinds of of lives. And so we're going to continue on looking at that today is this idea of, of, of how are we fighting? Like Draymond Green and Al Horford, who fight completely different and for completely different things, what are we fighting for and how are, are we doing that? So I'm going to pray, and then we'll just, we'll just start marching through it. We're going to be in James 4 today, so let's, let's pray together. 
Father, um, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your word. Uh, thank you that you are the ultimate father and that, God, you uh, help us to see what being a father looks like. Father, we thank you that your spirit is here. I invite you, I ask you, um, God, I beg you, please move this morning. God, we need to desperately hear from you, from your word. So I pray, God, that you would be moving, that, God, you would be working in all of our lives um, this morning. And I pray that, God, all of us would leave here changed in some way because we were with your spirit and we were with your family and we were engaged with your word. So that's my prayer, Father. I love you, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so James chapter 4. Verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desire, excuse me, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask God, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. So James start here, he starts talking, of, uh, talking about fights, and, and he basically is talking about the wrong way to fight, and he's actually saying, really, you're, you're fighting the wrong fight all, all together. It sounds like Black Friday shopping to me. Um, does anybody go Black Friday shopping? Some of you do, probably. I hate it. I've never been Black Friday shopping. I don't want to go Black Friday shopping. It sounds um, like not a lot of fun to me. I've never met a deal that seemed worth it. Um, my wife has gone for a lot of years, though. She loves it. She sits down and looks at the ads, like, in the evening on Thanksgiving, and as stores have opened earlier and earlier, of course, you got to go out in the middle of the night to be able to get the best deals. And so she goes, and she usually comes back exhausted the next morning, and she's excited, you know, hey, I got the new gain system for the kids. And I'm like, that's awesome, but you're missing teeth, babe. Like, you're, <laughs> that limp isn't going to go away for a while. Like, it, 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 it seems crazy to me, this, the fights that go on. But to me, Black Friday really is, it sounds like what James is talking about here. People are wanting things. They're coveting. They're envying. They're prideful. They're angry. And they're going to get it at any cost. Jay, last week, he talked about this, this eye test uh, that we could take, looking at our own lives about anger, about pride, and about envy. And I've spent some time thinking about this eye test in my own life. Like, where do I see these things coming up? And and for me, I see it on the road sometimes too, like Jay said. Now, I'm not like a crazy road rager. Um, I mean, I've only fired two shots from my car. <laughs> now we're a long time ago too. I'm, I'm, you know, work in progress here. But, but sometimes I'll be driving on the road and I'll be like just thinking like, gosh, you're so stupid. How could you just get out of my way? Why are you going so slow? One of, one of my sisters who also has an affinity for the Diet Coke at McDonald's was in the, the, the drive-thru this morning. And she's like, pick a lane. Like, I got to get my Diet Coke. Get out of the way. And we, we, we do this. Sometimes I'll find myself just like laying on the horn. I realize it's Pastor Jerry. And I'm like, hey, brother, just wanted to say hi, you know. But I think to myself, like, what, what's wrong with me? And then I think of words like, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's convicting. Because I, I want to get there quicker. I want to make it through that light first. My agenda is more important than yours. It's not just driving, though. I want money. I want status. I want power. I want comfort. I want ease of life. I want to not be inconvenienced. Maybe I just want to be right all the time. I, 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 I. We all have these things in our lives. 
And to me, road rage is really just a symptom of something deeper that's going on in our hearts and lives. And James says, we fight and we war because of these battles and, or excuse me, because of these desires that are battling within us. Now, it's true that not all of the, the desires inside of us are bad or sinful or wrong. It's not wrong to want to be comfortable, but some of them are, and often the motives for those desires are. And so we wrongly believe that if we could just acquire whatever it is we're wanting, then we're going to find the satisfaction um, and maybe the happiness that we've been chasing. But if we fight that way, we're not going to get it. Uh, there's a rapper that I listen to. His name is NF. Anybody listen to NF in here? A few? I got one in the back, right on, a couple, right on. NF is uh, an incredibly talented rapper. He sounds a lot like Eminem, but he, he doesn't have a bunch of uh, F words in his music, so it's awesome. Um, but one of the songs that he writes, he's uh, writing to his younger self. It's a song called Nate. His name's Nathan. He's writing to a younger version of himself and basically telling him things about, about their life. And some of them are painful and difficult. But one of the things he says is, he says, yeah, you might get a glimpse of happiness from your achievements, but what you'll learn as you get older, every time you reach one, is you'll just make another goal that doesn't lead to freedom. And then he goes on to outline some of the albums that are going to come out, some of the things that he's going to do. And then he says this, he says, it sounds awesome. At the same time, it doesn't matter. At 27, we'll make millions, but it's really sad because you'll learn to realize none of this is going to make you happy. None of it. Money, recognition, status, fame, they all fell short of giving him what he thought he wanted. And we do exactly the same thing when we fight and we quarrel and we steal and we lie and we shade truth and we even kill. And maybe we're not killing physically, but Jesus tells us if we harbor hate in our heart for somebody else, then we've committed murder. And so we need to be careful because we do these things in our lives, in different areas of our lives. The number one thing that I think James is trying to tell us here is to stop fighting each other. We need to quit fighting each other. These fights and quarrels, they ultimately are going to lead to dissatisfaction and frustration and more anger and more envy and more selfishness. So what area of your life do you see this pop up in? Not just on the road, but where else do you see it? In your workplace? At school? In your neighborhood? In your marriage? In your home? In your family? Maybe it's on some of the teams you play on. Maybe it's on some of the teams that you serve on here at Grace. Where does this pop up for you? Maybe something that would be good to do for you is to be brave and ask some people close to you, some of your family or your spouse or some of the people you work with or serve with, am I difficult to get along with? Not sometimes. Everybody's sometimes difficult to get along with. But am I characterized as somebody that is contentious and somebody that's prone to fighting? Is that, does that describe me? Be brave. Ask some people close to you. Because we can never find true peace and contentment or happiness or joy by fighting like this and for this. And if we keep doing it, the consequences are really big. Look at what God says and what he thinks about this. Um, verse four, he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. He uses a really strong language here. He says, you adulterous people, when we choose to satisfy the desires um, in the world, from the world, the way that the world would, it means becoming an enemy of God. And now the world here that, that, that James is talking about, Jay talked about this last week, the world here is the evil, self-centered, self-glorifying, self-satisfying systems that ultimately lead to destruction. And that's why James here uses this language of adultery. 
last week, uh, last weekend rather, I had the great honor and privilege of um, doing the wedding ceremony for my, my cousin Matt and for his new wife Tiffany up in, up in Washington. It was a wonderful time to be together. But whenever I do a wedding ceremony, I always remind the couple as well as the people that are there that weddings and marriages in specific, specifically are a picture of God's relationship with his people. And that's why when God gave the Ten Commandments um, to his people, the first commandment is you shall have no other God before me because God knows that a relationship won't work if there's any other lovers involved. It just can't work. And so what would happen if my cousin or his wife began to find comfort and help and refreshment and encouragement that God designed only for a husband and wife to meet before each other and they began to find that in other people? Their loyalties would be divided. It would be... It would be adulterous. And this is exactly how God views this kind of behavior inside of us. When we fight and claw and scratch and kill and betray, when we step over and step on to satisfy our own desires, we are not looking like the world or or looking like the family of God. It's an affront to the people around us and it's also an affront to God himself. And James, he tells us why, verse five. He says, or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God went to incredible lengths to save you. Incredible lengths to rescue and redeem you and bring you back into his family. The apostle Paul in Philippians outlines this for us. Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, the the great thing about this story is that we, most of us here know, he didn't stay dead. He was put in the tomb three days later. He rose to new life again. He eventually ascended to the father where he is now ruling and reigning at the right hand of the father. And he sent his spirit, his spirit to dwell inside of the hearts and lives of those who would choose to follow him. And so because that spirit inside of us, it lives with us. God is intensely jealous for us. He made us, he loves us, he knows us. And this came at a huge cost to himself. And so if we begin to turn away from him, from his grace and for his mercy, and we look for help, we look for things outside of his spirit, and we turn toward the things of the world that can never truly satisfy us, he hates it. He's jealous for it. It is is adulterous. God's the best father that ever was. He wants you to flourish and experience real and abundant life. And he knows that you will never find it by being proud and quarrelsome and looking out to our own interests and fighting for each other. And so James is about to tell us we should quit fighting each other, but we should start fighting for something. And he tells us how. Look at verse 7. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What James is telling us here is we should be fighting sin. We need to fight the right fight at the right time in the right way. And the right fight isn't with each other. The right fight is that we should be fighting sin. And this, this seems like Christianity 101 a little bit. And sometimes I think it's like, okay, how do we do that, though? What does that mean? What does that look like for us to fight sin? Well, James has just outlined it for us. The first thing we need to do is submit to God. This is about saying, God, you're right. I'm a sinner and I recognize that that sin, the things that I do that, that hurt you, that break your heart, they separate me from you. 
And God, I know that I need your grace in my life. I need to be forgiven. I need to be healed. I need to be redeemed and, and, and brought back into right relationship with you. And so God, I'm resigning as the general manager of my life, like Jay said last week. God, I'm going to choose to trust your sovereignty and your word and your will and your ways. Some of you have never done that before. It's time to do it today. It's time to quit putting it off because God wants you in his family. But many of you have done that. And I think, okay, check. We got that part. We got that part done. So what's James talking about here? Because James is talking to the church and, and you are the church. And so for those of you who have given your life to the Lord, I think that sometimes in our hearts and our lives, there can be some parts of our heart, maybe not our whole heart, but some parts of our heart where we haven't fully submitted to, to God. And if I was a guy that bet a lot of money, I would bet that it was, it's in those areas of your life that you consistently see sin popping up, maybe in the same kinds of sin, maybe the same sin uh, in particular. And so my question this morning is, is will you be honest with God about, about these areas of your hearts in our lives? We all need this reminder that we need to be submitting to God all of the time. The next thing he says is we need to resist the devil. Uh, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, how did he fight back? He used scripture. He, he relied on the power of the spirit of God and he used scripture. The thing about Satan is when he comes to us to tempt us, he will often use scripture. He will often distort scripture to try to tempt you to get you to do something that, that God doesn't want you to do. This is what he did with Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve, they failed. But when he tried to do it with Jesus, Jesus prevailed. He didn't fail. And he did it by the power of the spirit and with the word of God. And both of these are available to us as followers followers of Jesus. And the devil, when Jesus resisted him, what happened? He ran. This is the same exact thing that he has to do with us. James promises it to us. If we humble ourselves and submit to God and resist the devil, the devil has to flee. He has, he has to run. I love that. I love it. I love that Jesus, our big brother, is always setting a perfect example for us in how to do life, how to fight sin. He did it through the power of the spirit. He does it through the power of the word. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. You see how emotional it makes me. We need it in our lives. I read the Bible just about every day of my life. You should too. It is a good thing to do. It's why we're all about the Bible here because we need it so desperately in our lives. We also should be coming close to God. He says that in verse eight. This one seems like it should be easy, come close to God, but I think sometimes this is one of the more difficult ones because when temptation comes, we either, we either don't recognize it as dangerous as a problem as it is, or we allow the enticement to happen. And then I think sometimes what we'll do if we do that is we, we allow the enticement to happen and, and, and once we do, then we sin. And the guilt and the shame that we feel from that sin can honestly keep us from wanting to draw near to God. And so like Adam in the garden, we wanna hide, we wanna run. Church, this is exactly the opposite of what we should be doing. James tells us to draw near to God for a reason and he will draw near to us. It's because we have, again, the perfect father. He loves you. He wants to help you. He's here to help you. So instead of trying to white knuckle it through, recognize your sin early. Recognize what's happening. Recognize the motives of your heart early. Don't lie to yourself anymore that, well, it's not really that big. It is a big deal. It's a, it's a huge deal. It's adultery against your relationship with God. So recognize that temptation early and say, dad, I need your help. And he, he wants to help you. He promises us that he will. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. 
And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God wants to help. He wants to provide a way out for you. In fact, he has. You just have to turn to him and ask. And if we are enticed, if we do sin, what should we do with that? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He will forgive our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Run to God, run to him often, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. We sin. God knows that. That's why he provided a way to deal with it. And so trust the work of the cross. Trust the, the empty tomb, the indwelling spirit that lives in us. God's made incredible promises to us, and he wants to be with us. All of these things, uh, submitting to God, humbling yourselves before the God, resisting the devil, fighting sin, they take practice. So is it something that you consistently do? My son, Spencer, he's the stud here on the front row, if you were wondering who this awesome dude is. It's my son. Uh, when, we were, when he was a little kid, like four or five, we would sit and watch um, mixed martial arts UFC fights. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, so violent. Yes, but it's consensual, so it's fine. Uh, so he would sit with me on the couch, and I remember one time we we're sitting there on the couch, and he says, hey, Dad, because that's how he talked when he was five. Uh, strangely, he's the only like, person in human history that when he went through puberty, his voice got higher. I don't know how that works, but anyway, hey, Dad. <laughs> You're going to be like, I, w- I wish I hadn't come today. Okay, hey, Dad. <laughs> yeah, pal. What are they gonna fight in their underwear? <laughs> it, it it sort of looks like underwear, but it's not underwear. It's it's they're just shorts. But anyway, growing up, we always we often on would watch would watch uh, UFC fights and, and things like that together. And then the last like maybe I don't know throughout the last year, um, he started training as a as a as a fighter himself. He's training at a at a um, boxing and MMA gym. And uh, when they first started, he would like. You know they're doing the drills, and it's just lots of drills. You 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 hit you you hit bags. You work out with another partner. Often you're working on combinations. It's helping you acquire your speed and your timing and your power and and all of those things. And but but the thing about the drills is you always know what the other person is 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 going to throw. You you always do. And so the first time that he got to spar to actually get in a ring to 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 fight somebody else, just practice practicing, but they really are trying to hit each other. He came home and he's like, dude, I got lit up in the ring today. <laughs> he said, it was like all of a sudden I just forgot everything I knew. And so, you know, knowing how to like slip my head out of the way, I, I totally forgot. Knowing how to just like parry block punches, I totally forgot. He goes, this dude just rocked me today. He goes, I didn't know what he was throwing, where, where it was coming from or when. It was, it was crazy. He said, I just like completely forgot everything that I really knew. Fighting sin, <clears throat> excuse me, fighting sin can look like that. Sometimes in our life, we can get blindsided by a real opponent who really, really wants to hurt you. That is Satan and his servants. And sometimes if we're not careful or if we're not practicing fighting sin in our lives, we can forget our defenses. We can forget to be humble. We can forget to be in the word. We can forget to, to, to draw near to God and to draw on the power of his spirit. Are you fighting sin in your life like you're training for a boxing match? With discipline and consistency and patience and trusting your father and listening to his word, are you fighting sin like that? It takes practice, but you can get better at this. Some of you have been doing this incredibly well for a really, uh, really long time, and my encouragement is keep going, keep training, keep fighting. It's worth it. It's worth it in your own life, and it's worth it in the uh, example that you are to your family and to those around you. So please keep fighting. But some of you, 
either don't care at all or maybe you care, but the truth is you really aren't fighting very well. Look what James says next. Verse 9, he says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. To fight sin, we have to hate sin. And if you are sitting in your sin, in, it's, it's bringing laughter and joy to you, even if it's temporary, and you're sitting there and thinking, things, th- thinking that things are fine, James says, be convicted. You need to change your laughter and your joy to mourning and to gloom because what's happening is awful. It's awful in your life. It's awful for your life. So you need to change something about this. You need to be convicted. Your, your sin is so incredibly offensive to God. Again, it's the ultimate betrayal. And so we need to be fighting sin well. One of the people in our history that talks a lot about this, about fighting and killing sin, is Jonathan Edwards. He was a preacher and a theologian that lived in the early 1700s. Look what he said. It's a long quote, so I'll read it carefully because I want you to hear it. He says, Many men are brought to restrain sin and to give it slight wounds, yet they are not brought to the point of killing it. Wicked men are reluctant to kill sin. They have been very good friends with it since birth and have always treated it as one of their most familiar and best friends. They have allowed it the best room in their hearts and have given it the best entertainment they possibly could, and thus they are quite unwilling to destroy it. But until this is done, God will never give them uh, true comfort. And I think it's a really good thing that God doesn't give us true, true comfort in that because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Sometimes we think we've found comfort in the sins of our life, but if we're honest, there's just emptiness there. There's just, there's just emptiness there. James, however, says if we quit fighting each other, and if we quit fighting with selfish and sinful motives and start fighting uh, sin by submitting to God and, and through the power of his spirit, if we humble ourselves that God will lift us up, what an incredible promise this is to us. Now, James, at this point, it seems, seems to shift topics again, and it seems to not fit, but it actually fits exactly with what we're talking about. Look what he says in these last couple of verses. He says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor. And what James is telling us here in this last section is we need to fight for unity in the family. This is something that is so, so important. And the way that we do that is by quitting slandering each other, quit casting judgment on one another. I think this is the verse that um, is often used uh, when people get the tattoo that says, only God can judge me. My favorite's when they spell judge wrong and they spell it J-U-G-E. I'm like, well, you're making it kind of hard. <laughs> If you get a tattoo, spell it right, you know. Um, When we cast judgment on others, we are speaking against the law and the Bible. And so James says, don't do it. It seems pretty straightforward when you read this until you read the rest of your Bible. (laughs) Because the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church, a couple of paragraphs away, says that we should judge and says that we should not judge. Take a look at what he says. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Okay, cool. This is right in line with what James is saying. Uh, Don't judge. That's what he says. It's very clear. Don't judge. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, the next uh, chapter, verse 12. He says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Okay, so now we're supposed to judge, 
right? We're supposed to judge those inside the church. So the question is then, which is it? James says, don't do it. Paul says, don't do it. And then he says to do it. So which is it? The answer is it's both. Both are, are correct. When James and when Paul are telling us to not judge, what he's really saying is, is that we shouldn't be slandering and we shouldn't be condemning a person because condemnation is not our job. That's God's job. It has nothing to do with us. And so when we do that, James is saying we're, we're, we're sinning. But what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 5.12, this verse now that's on the screen, is that we should be judging or evaluating the sin in the lives of, of the people around us and in our own life. We should be about that because we have an obligation as the family of God to help each other out by pointing out the sin in our lives for the sake of repentance, for the sake of reconciliation, for the sake of restoration. This should always be our motive. And so when we flippantly slander or cast uh, condemning judgment on others, we are threatening and tearing down the unity of the family of God, something that should not be done ever under any circumstances because we need each other. I've watched the world the last few years, like you, and gosh, so much to say about this. Um, It's not surprising to me when I look at the world and I look at all of the warring that's going on out in the world, not just actual wars, but just the warring of each other outside of the church. It makes sense that there would be fighting and slandering and, and, and condemnation out there. But it's, it's incredibly shocking to me when I see that happening inside of the church both in the church, in the world, throughout our country, throughout our community, and also here at Grace. As I look at the last several years, and I look at all of the things that are going on with politics and COVID and restrictions and all of the things, there's been so much garbage, so much. There's been, gosh, there's been way too much judgment thrown around, way too much condemnation thrown around. It's happened outside, it's happened in the greater church, but it's happened in our church too. And I hate it, and God hates it. God is telling us, quit condemning each other, quit casting judgment on each other. There is certainly room for disagreement. There is certainly room for personal conviction and certainly room to to have your own beliefs and, and think about how you see the world, how you see scripture, how you see that. But be gracious with each other. Quit fighting with each other. We shouldn't be about that. At the cross of Christ is level ground. We should be unified around the cross of Christ. Whatever's going on in the world, that's what we need. That's what we should be about. And that's what I want us to be about. And I believe that's what God wants us to be about too as his, as his people. And so my question about this this morning is, is who in the church, maybe somebody even inside of his own room, have you slandered? Have you talked bad about? Have you casted judgment on that you need to ask forgiveness from them. Again, we, we can have differences of opinion and convictions, but we must be united. And so let's help each other. Let's help each other to fight sin. Let's help each other to love one another. Let's help each other to know what it means to submit to God. Let's help each other to build each other up. We need to be a family, the, the family of God that we, that we are. All right, worship team, if you could please come up. Um, I really want this next time to be for you, these next minutes to be for you. We're going to sing a few songs. And really, I want this time to be between you and the Lord. And what I'd like us all to do during this time as we're singing, um, maybe we're stopping and taking a moment or two to pray, is to ask the Lord to search our hearts and ask the Lord to reveal our hearts. God, is there any area of my heart and my life where I am contentious and quarrelsome? God, is there any area of my heart and my life where I have impure motives? 
If you maybe are recognizing this morning that, that you have sinned, you have casted condemnation and judgment against somebody, maybe somebody even in this room, this would be a great time to go find them and say, can we talk? Even right now in the service, what, what an amazing thing that could happen this morning if you, if you could just seek forgiveness there together and be unified in, around the cross of Christ. And then for some of you this morning, you might be realizing that, that you need God and maybe you're realizing this for the very first time, this would be a great morning to get introduced to Jesus. If you don't know how to do that, I'll be sitting right here. Come talk to me. Some of you haven't been baptized. Some of you have been following Jesus for a while and you've never been baptized. We've got water. It's warm. We've got clothes. We've got towels. My brother Dave Christensen is right there. If you want to be baptized this morning and you've never been baptized, go talk to Dave and uh, we'll talk about getting you baptized this morning because what, what, what better thing could you do than to show the world I've chosen to follow Jesus with my life. I, I want him in my life. All right, so let's worship today. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.